What's up, everybody? It's Soren Baker. And this week on Unique Access with Soren Baker, we're talking to Eddie Griffin. Now, this longtime comedian and actor has been putting in work for decades, and I got to talk to him about white Hollywood versus black Hollywood. Kind of what he saw were the differences between the two and how he's able to navigate that. And also how that works with the rap world, given that he dabbles and works with a lot of rappers and has throughout the years, including Master P, of course. Then he's also had a recent special, Laughing Through Your Mask. Talk to him about that and a lot of other things he's got going on. So with Unique Access with Soren Baker, please be sure to like, subscribe, and share and get ready to enjoy my conversation with Eddie Griffin. Thanks for listening. Now today, we had the honor and the privilege of being joined by Mr. Eddie Griffin. Thank you for coming through, sir. Hey, no problem, bro. What's going on? Man, I'm excited. You got the uh, Laughing Through Your Mask, the new comedy special that just came out. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, congratulations on that. You have a lot of uh, amazing things in there that I wanted to talk about with you. So uh, one of the things in there that I, I thought was hilarious was that uh, when you were saying how white people were realizing that you aren't how you are in the movies in your standup. So right. when did that uh, kind of kick into you? Um. I don't know, about two or three years ago, it, it came to me on stage, you know. I was at the uh, at my residency at the Sahara in Las Vegas, and uh, it was a table of, of, of white people, and, uh, you know, I was, uh, I was, I was doing some, something on some, some, something. I think it was a bit I did on uh, white people get chewed up by sharks or something, and I seen their face turn red. I'm like, oh, shit. Oh, y'all surprised. Uh, yeah, uh, you know, uh, ain't, ain't the, the, the guy you see in the movies, huh? So that, that's when it first hit me. So it depends on what's happening in the show. Then, you know, I can slide that in. So it, it was it was cool on, on the special because I seen that similar face out in the audience. And uh, just just jabbing with it, yeah. And then on Laughing Through Your Mask, we'll <clears throat> talk about how America's kind of the laughing stock of the world in your opinion right now, which is, I think in a lot of ways, even though we've always had a lot of horrible things, we've always been kind of admired. So yeah. what, uh, despite a lot of our atrocities. So what do you think has really turned the table to where America's being laughed at instead of idolized? Donald Trump, the idiot president winning the election, the dumbest motherfucker in the country is running the country. Come on, the whole world's laughing. He's obviously Putin's puppet. The whole world knows it. And if you got any kind of a brain cell, you know that to be a fact also. So, you know, and then the Republican Party just falling in line to play, you know, uh, kowtow to, to, to the dumb motherfucker. I mean, come on, man. Right. Okay. And with Laughing Through Your Mask, you've done so many comedy specials over the years. I've had the benefit of seeing you a few times in person over the years, too. How did the pandemic change the reality of your approach to this special compared to the other ones that you've done throughout your career? Uh, you know, the other ones, you know, I, I did like theaters. The pandemic, you know, I wanted a small, up close, intimate, you know, I wanted the laughter contained. Um, and then, you know, uh, I just wanted to uh, do a doc, uh, was it? Uh, a docu comedy. Okay. So, uh, yeah, I wanted the the 
you know, let motherfuckers know how I'm really feeling and then cut to the stage and show that a serious subject, I can turn it funny. Right. Well, I think that's the, uh, the hallmark of it um, because there's a lot of the real world things, but it's also very political, which is also something you've done throughout your, your career with stuff with freedom of speech and different specials you've also done. So how do you balance finding something that's so polarizing and so political to then make it funny? Um, there's funny in everything, you know, there's funny in God, there's funny in death, you know. I died of a heart attack and I made that funny. So, uh, yeah, um, you know, there's there's no boundaries with comedy. You know, I, I, like a lot of people say, uh, you're thinking outside the box. I ain't never seen nobody with a square head. So, I mean, what, what do you mean thing? Everybody's got a round dome. So every every 360 degrees, every point makes a point. And, uh, you know, I just, uh, it was some hilarious shit on, on the six, man. You know, them hicks out there giving away the address, like the FBI ain't going to eventually come and hunt you down. Yeah, my address, 15, 15, 14 Street, goddammit. And they at the door, yeah, you, you 15, 15, 14 Street, get your ass in the car. So, you know, uh, yes. So, um that's it. You know, you can find humor in anything. Right. Okay. And also, as our country and as our societies evolved, uh, something I've always found interesting about your comedy from Malcolm Minetti with the tow truck driver and that service, um, all the way up to a lot of the stuff you're talking about now. But where has America kind of lost that that respect for the average person doing a job. Like everybody think they got to make a lot of money or be famous. Why have we lost the dignity of the tow truck driver, of the teacher, of the accountant? Why, why has that gone away, do you think? It's the, uh, it's the billionaire. <laughs> it's, the bi it's, it's the I want to be a billionaire too central. You know what I mean? Uh, billionaires... Come on, man, they assholes. You got a billion dollars, you you fucked over a whole lot of motherfuckers to get that money, right? Um, which is cool, but everybody plays a role in society. You know, uh, when we're paying <sighs> teachers, you know, slave wages, basically, you know, a teacher has to get an extra job just to be a teacher. Uh, so you know we divest we we dive we we dive we 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 divested in education uh, infrastructure our infrastructure is going to shit so we don't give a fuck about construction workers obviously so uh, you know but we can give uh, Bill Bill Gates a needle and have him go shoot somebody in the arm in Africa and he ain't no fucking doctor what well, what kind of shit is that? But he's a billionaire, so it's okay. He's supposed to be in jail administering motherfucking vaccine to some kid in Africa. So uh, that's my take on it, you know. And hip-hop played a part in it, you know. My bling, bling, my bling, bling. You know, I got the diamonds and the ice them all. I stuff, nigga, Gucci, Gucci, Gucci. Now the kids want some Gucci, Gucci, Gucci and some ice, ice, ice. Rather than, how about getting a car? And how, how about having a house to put the car in a garage first. You know what I mean? Rather than rolling in a Maybach and parking it on the street out in front of your fucking apartment, you fucking idiots. Well, 
It's uh, called steps. <laughs> yeah, hell yeah. But hey, ain't nobody teaching them the steps. Right. You know, somebody in hip hop needs, they should write a song called Here's the Steps, you know. Right. Well, speaking of that, you've done uh, a lot of the skits over the years with DOC and Snoop and Dr. Dre in particular. What was it about that collective of artists that made you work so well with them? Oh, I mean, I knew Dre and Snoop before before we were famous. So uh, I was at uh, Dre's uh, birthday party uh, and uh, I did some piece. You know, we was just sitting at the bar, getting drunk and, uh, you know, smoking a joint. And I was talking about some 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 shit I was going through with some female. He said, hey, 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 come to the studio tomorrow. I want to use that. And that became biggest hoes on planet Earth is day mama. So, yeah. OK. And with uh, tying into freedom of speech, as we're in a very sensitive time now with people saying stuff, and you address this with laughing through your mask a little bit, how, how do you as a comedian that does push that envelope balance that with saying too much or being yourself? I don't balance it at all. I'm gonna speak my mind regardless. If, Like I said at the close of the show, if you were offended by any of the fucking material that came out of my mouth, you are the motherfucker I tended to offend. Yeah. Period. Comedy, you know, my comedy ain't for everybody, but it is for everybody. But it's for everybody who's real with a mask off their fucking face. And I mean, not the mask, physical mask, but your mask that you're wearing, you're acting. You know, I'm acting so pristine. I Oh, I, I can't believe he said that. Bullshit, bitch. Shut the fuck up. Yeah. Right. Well, why do you think, other than the figurative mask, the literal mask, why do people have such a hard time uh, having real discussions with people instead of just making it into an argument automatically? Why, why are we gotten away from listening to people, do you think, with divergent opinions? Because everybody is a star. Everybody has their own network. It's called Instagram. It's called Twitter. So everybody's opinion is the most important opinion on fucking earth. And that's the, the internet needs to be checked because that shit is driving the whole fucking world insane. You know what I mean? I'm a star. I got likes. I got likes. It's like a drug, nigga. I got likes, nigga. So I got to do something else for some likes, nigga. What you going to do? I'm going to run up to this old woman and hit her in the fucking head. This is what these youngsters doing to get likes. It's sick. It's sick. Very. And the programmers know they programmed it to be a drug. They know the endorphins that them likes is going to send off in the kid's fucking head and get them addicted to those fucking likes. And then they kept checking that motherfucking phone every fucking five seconds to see if more likes came through, more likes. Likes. That's the problem. That's why people can't sit down and conversate because ain't no likes in conversating. That's a good point and a sad one too. Yeah. Yeah. So as a, as a writer, how do you find that you're able to infuse that into, you know, creatively beyond standup, but into a show or into a movie or something else that you're working on? Uh, that's, that's yet to be seen done yet. Okay. <laughs> but I'll keep that in mind. Fair enough. Now, um, one of the other things that I was always interested about was since you did work so much in the rap world, what did you notice 
the difference of with how the rap world operates and in the Hollywood, because you've also existed in different levels and layers of Hollywood, being in the Star is Born and Undercover Brothers, not the same thing. So, right. so break down, you know, the rap world, the black film world and the studio Hollywood world. What do you see are the differences of how they operate? Uh, the rap world is, is pretty much straightforward. You know what I mean? Uh, you know, you're getting paid this much. We want you to do this. And uh, don't think about no back end on it, nigga, because ain't nothing. Uh, <laughs> Black Hollywood is like, uh, you know, hey, uh, can you cut us a break, cut us a deal? Because, you know, this is a black budget. We, we can't really pay you what you worth, but you know, just, just work with me, dog. You know what I'm saying? Cause you know, it's for, it's for the peoples. You know what I'm saying? Love, love, love. And then uh, white Hollywood is like, all right, look, we gonna pay you well, nigga, but you can't say shit. Don't do shit. And did I say, don't say shit. All right, cool. That's pretty much it. And what, when did you learn how each one of those worked? Uh, I'm, a, I'm a quick study. You know, yeah, my first uh, hip hop video, I was like, okay, cool, got it. Uh, my first black film, cool, got it. And my first uh, uh, Hollywood big budget film, got that shit. <laughs> okay. And then um, with with rap, how did you find that the rappers were reacting to you over time with being in Foolish, being on Dr. Dre's album, being on Exhibit's album, all these different things that you did? Did that change how you think people saw you um, in a, just in general? Uh, no, man, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm me wherever I'm at. You know, whether I'm in a big budget Hollywood film, I'm still me, you know. Uh, black film, I'm uh, you know, some some part of the character has something to do with me, you know. So uh, yeah, you know, all all we can do is just be ourselves, right? Okay. And then I wanted you one other thing was I always find it intriguing uh, with the different la layers and levels of the actors that you worked with. Mm -hmm. So when you're with a dramatic actor like a Denzel and a John Q, for instance, mm -hmm. versus being in a comedy movie, how mm -hmm. how is the the workload and the precision? Is it the same? Is it different? Like, how does that work for you as an actor? Ooh, um, you know, I was on John Q with Denzel. You, you better bring your A game. Because he ain't, he, ain't, he ain't that play. You know, so, uh, yeah. And then, you know, when I'm doing a comedy, you know, that's my element. You know what I mean? Most directors just say, hey, Eddie, do you take flight? You know, um, but now when we're doing uh, serious, serious pieces, yeah, you better bring your A game. Yeah, because I was thinking about with John Q, a lot of that and what that movie talks about is happening. It's been happening before the movie and still happening until today. Yeah. And it's a... Uh, Amazing to your point that you talk about laughing through your mask because a lot of the medical stuff that we don't have access to or we don't understand, you know, that film was a fictitious presentation of it, but it's could could really happen and it does happen. Yes, it does. 
So what what does America, what do we need to do as people in order to fix this broken medical system that we have, would you say? Uh, well, the, the Republican Party ain't going to never do it because so, you know, they in insurance company, insurance pockets. And, uh, you know, so it's going to take and it's going to take a concerted effort from uh, grassroots. Uh, the people need to get out. And, 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 and just really digging their politicians' asses on the Democratic side. Because just because the Democrats won don't mean they ain't going to still, you know, dig their hand in the cookie jar, too. So we need to tell these motherfuckers, if y'all ever want to be president, run the House and the Senate again, we need universal health care done, period. Just throw, throw down the motherfucking gauntlet. And, and get rid of that filibuster, what they're trying to do now. Once they get rid of that filibuster, shit can get done. And then we need all 51 of the motherfuckers to vote, period. Universal health care. Then, then the, the insurance companies are dead and gone. That's it. And then, then we can rework our whole medical system. China does uh, preventative medicine. You pay your doctor while you're healthy. As soon as you're sick, he don't get a dime. Watch how quick he's going to get your ass healthy. That's what we need here. We're working just in reverse. Doctors get paid when we're sick, so the incentive is to make sure you're sick. Well, that's a, a problem beyond the medical system. That's a problem, I think, in general. We don't want to eat. A problem. That's a problem in the diet system. Yeah. That's a problem in the food that we're intaking. Fast food is fast death. None of my kids have ever tasted a McDonald's sandwich, and they shall not. Yeah, congratulations on that, man. Yeah, I tell him no. I tell him that's Mac Def, Taco Smells, Burger King. And <laughs> we in the car. Oh, they go, they, they go Mac Def. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, there it is. Well, uh, anything else you want to add about laughing through your mask before we wrap? Hey, man, I just hope the public enjoys it. Uh, straight from my heart, you know, and... Uh, yeah, that's it. Cool, man. Well, I appreciate your time. Uh, look forward to doing it again, hopefully. And uh, congratulations on the continued success, man. Thank you, brother. Likewise. All right. Well, thanks for tuning in to Unique Access with Soren Baker. I appreciate your guys' support. Please subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts and however you guys checked out this episode of Unique Access with Soren Baker. Also, if you haven't already, please pick up the copies of my two most recent books, the History of Gangster Rap, and The Gucci Man Guide to Greatness with Gucci Man. You can find both of those books on Amazon, at Barnes & Noble, at the independent bookstore near you. And of course, you could also check them out at your library. And if any of those places don't have them, please request them. And most importantly, thank you so much for listening to Unique Access with Soren Baker, however you listen to us. And please subscribe so we get into your feed. Hit us with that like. And hit us with the five stars, 10 stars, 100 stars, whatever's the highest they got on this platform. But we appreciate your guys' support and look forward to you checking us out on the next episode.